Welcome to the Your K-12 Fundraising Coach Podcast, your weekly mini masterclass designed to give you the tools to crush your goals with less stress. I'm your host, Kim Jennings, a veteran faith-based school frontline fundraiser and certified fundraising executive, a consultant, trainer, coach, and passionate ally for leaders and future leaders serving in Christian schools across the U.S. After nearly two decades in the industry, I'm here to share with you what I've learned and continue to learn from my failures and successes and to bring you insightful conversations with great leaders. If you're a Christian school leader looking for tested strategies to banish the tyranny of the urgent and raise more money within a stronger, thriving team, and you're looking to grow your school's culture of generosity, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Your K-12 Fundraising Coach Podcast. Today, we're going to cover part three of my three-part series on the three critical components of a strong K-12 development plan. I call those the three C's. The first two episodes were on clarity and community, and now this is the third C, which is communication. When I coach and when I do trainings, I talk about the elements of a strong development plan, the things you might typically expect, annual giving, major gifts, special events are really the most commonly seen legs on the stool. Sometimes there might be a fourth of planned giving if your program is experienced enough in order to have it. But what I describe as the thing that holds it all together, sort of the top of the stool, is communication. Without communication, we just are not going to be as strong as we could be and as effective as we could be in any of those other elements. So communication is absolutely critical. I know that sounds really simple. I know you're thinking, well, of course, communication is important. But I do think that as development officers, we have to be really thoughtful in the, the way that we develop communication plans just right alongside our development plans. It's easy sometimes to sort of compartmentalize between communications and between development, but really they are extremely intertwined. What is it about communications that is so critical to development? For one, communications fosters that sense of community that engenders that sense of shared purpose that I talk a lot about, talked about it a lot in the last episode regarding community. So as you can tell, I think that's a pretty important piece of this. Strong communications also serves as a strong stewardship tool for those who have already given. It serves as a tool for cultivation for those who have not yet given especially for folks in a school setting who may or may not know about an annual fund and why it even exists. It helps to inform them about the need for gifts. We'll talk about the need for communications to reach both the heart and the head. So there's that cultivation and that information piece. And without clear communications, we can't really call people to action clearly and inspirationally. And all of those things are obviously accomplished by strong communications. If those elements all undergird the work that we're trying to do, and I would argue that they do, then communications is a strong piece of the puzzle. And therefore, it deserves a seat at our strategy table just as much as the way we're going to ask for money. Unfortunately, in schools, a lot of the time, the communications folks are bogged down as practitioners rather than strategists. They are making and sending newsletters. They're working on social media. 
They're doing email blasts and they're doing invitations. They're making school concert programs. They're taking photos out in the community. They're doing all these things that are really necessary. Clearly, they're important. I'm not saying they're not, but they are just tactics. They are doing the things that need to be done. They are given precious little time to work on strategy and work on collaborative strategy for a holistic approach to a culture of generosity. As fundraising pros, you know that you're absolutely reliant on strong communications that are really strategic. Penelope Burke, who you know I love, I might be her greatest fan. She wrote Donor-Centered Fundraising, a book I highly recommend. She talks from her research about the fact that the the communication is the ask. If your donors are complaining that they only hear from you when you need money or your donors are disappearing, they might give once or twice and then they go away, realize that it's not that they've left you, you've left them. You've disappointed them. You've left them in the dark, in between the gifts. So communication is a really critical way of bridging those asks And it's the right thing to do. Today, we're going to talk about communications then, that third C of the three critical components of a strong K-12 development plan. The first element of communications is probably, if you know me, you know what it's going to be. It's a plan. You have to start with a plan. I'm a planner. I love plans. But it's important because without a plan specifically related to communications, you're either throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping that it sticks, or you're confusing your parents because you're not sending out tight, cohesive messaging, or you're leaving a ton of money on the table because you've done those first two things. So regardless of where you stand right now in the year or where you are in your planning process, if you already have a development plan, sit down at a very minimum, chart out what I call your overarching message for the year. We can use that as our North Star to help us to determine all of the other pieces. So it is the very first thing. If you've heard the analogy of a jar with the rocks and you have big rocks that go in first and then you can put all the little rocks, this overarching message is perhaps one of the biggest rocks that needs to go in your jar. Once you have that across the top of your plan, then you can chart out the main communications pieces for each month. When you've been giving compelling and consistent messaging all year long, when the time comes to ask for money, you are so far ahead because you've had that consistent messaging. All of the things that you've been sending out will make sense then. Emails, social media, print, videos, all of the things That's what I mean by all the pieces. And so if you have a plan that's strategically laid out, you'll start to get traction because all of those pieces will lead into the other or one piece will go deeper into the same topic of another. So it starts to make sense. Everyone will be singing from the same hymn book. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was a very little girl growing up in Florida, my grandfather was a lay preacher in a very tiny church. And I have super clear memories of going sometimes to hear him preach. And it was an amazing experience with incredible potluck food and just a really wonderful time. And I have a lot of clear memories of hymn sings. In these churches, they don't have instruments. So what would happen is if when it's time to all sing together, everyone would have a hymn book. And there'd be like four or five people up front and someone up in the congregation would shout out the number of a hymn and would thumb to that page. And then one of the people up front would find the first note. They would literally go, ah, ah, ah. You know, I'm 
I'm a terrible singer. I'm sorry for that. They would find that note and then they would, when they found that note, it would sing it out loud and clear. And then everybody else would find that note. And then we'd be off and singing this beautiful old hymn. So imagine if these four or five people weren't up there, if that person wasn't up there doing the ah, 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 what it would sound like when we all launched into the song, because everybody has a different idea in their head of what C sounds like. So we all open our mouth and just start singing. It's going to sound pretty chaotic at first. We'll get in the groove maybe eventually, but we've all started off on a different version of that first note. This is what I'm saying regarding a plan. If we have a communications plan that lays out that first note, the message that we all need to use as our North Star, that first note of the hymn, once we have that, it is incredibly helpful for us, anybody we're collaborating with, our entire community to be on the same note. That's why that overarching message is the most important first piece. And then following from there is the plan with what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, who we're looking to reach, and how it all fits together, one with another, but also into the development plan. If you're thinking right now, I don't have the time for a full plan. I don't have the time or the ability to get that all into place. That's okay. We can get it synced up later. There will be other episodes where we talk about specifics of how to do such a plan. But for now, if you do nothing else, sit down and start working on that overarching strategic message so that we can get everybody on that same note. And when I say everybody, I mean the principals, the head of school, admissions, the parent leaders, everyone is singing from the same hymn book already. Let's just get them all off on the same, well, we hope they're singing from the same hymn book, but let's get them off on the same note. What do I mean by an overarching message? There's a lot of examples we could use for an overarching message, but here's one that I have heard at a school that I really love and I'd love to share it with you. This is essentially how it would go. There are a lot of ways to get involved and lots of ways to give during the year, but we ask that your first and highest priority of supporting our school is the annual fund. That's it. That's the message. It's the simple one, but it's super clear The coaches at this school knew it. The fine arts director knew it. The heads of the parent community knew it. Even if they're leading fundraising events, the parent leaders knew the importance of the annual fund, the fact that it was primary. For the coaches, when parents went up to a coach and said, hey coach, so looking forward to the year, what do you need? What can I help, how can I help you? He can say in that moment from his heart, from his gut, thank you so much. That is so generous. I am really delighted and I I am so moved that you would ask that. And I would love to have your partnership. But first, I need to know, have you given to the annual fund? Because that's the first and highest priority. Everything else in the entire community depends on that annual fund. So we ask that it is the most important and first best gift for everyone in our community. See, if you have that cohesive message that you have been able to get everybody in the school on the same first note, they begin to internalize it and use that message, then we can head things off before they get way out in left field in athletics or fine arts or wherever, which we all know happens so easily. Some of the ways that we can disseminate this overarching message with our allies is to literally write it down and to help walk them through it, understanding it. It's going to take support and having an ally from the top, however. That means your head of school needs to be fully on board with understanding the importance of the annual fund if this is your 
overarching message. And therefore, they are able to speak from the podium and in communication at all times with other members of the community about the importance of the annual fund, if that is your overarching message. That message, whatever your message is, needs to come from the top and needs to be supported at all times, genuinely and internally by your head of school. Because there are times where you're going to have conflict where that coach says, yeah, but I really need those wrestling mats. Well, that is true. You might really need them. And then we have to have a conversation about how we're going to get those funded. But they still need to have your back on that overarching message. It goes to allyship not only with your head of school, but across your entire community, an aspect of our work that that is a critical piece. And again, goes to communications. Internally, we have to have allies. So we need to be internally communicating often, regularly with everyone in our community whose work can affect our work. This episode is sponsored by my digital course, Onboarding New Parents with Purpose, a proven plan for increasing generosity, which I designed especially for you with a suite of tools, templates, and resources that will help you be successful regardless of what month you start your journey with me. I crafted this course when leader after leader asked me, how do we move from transactional giving to heart-led, generous giving from every giver, regardless of the amount of their gift? How do we really cultivate a culture of generosity? This course will help you raise more money in your school using real-world methods designed to work in every school environment, every size school, because they're based on human behavior and community not fancy expensive events or tons of staff power. My course is full of practical strategies, effective actions you can take every month, every year to grow generosity and your new parents cohort after cohort, changing the culture of your entire parent community. Learn more and sign up for my digital course, Onboarding New Parents with Purpose, a proven plan for increasing generosity at kimtjennings.com slash culture of generosity. So far, we've talked about communications regarding our overarching message, which impacts everything that we do, and also a plan, which charts out our roadmap for how we're going to do what we're going to do. The next thing I want to talk about is a skill that I feel is critically important to our work, and that is being a good writer. Our success can hinge upon whether or not we have communicated well in writing. So much of what we do is in writing, letters, emails, social media, even event invitations and follow-up. All of those pieces are in writing. And so are we the best writers that we could be? In fundraising, we aren't selling something. We aren't marketing something. It's true. We are talking about mission. We are talking about inspiration. However, there is an element of persuasiveness because we do want folks to give to our mission. That means that we need to be persuasive in our writing. By definition, copywriting is the craft of writing persuasive messages that inspire people to take action. Well, folks, that's exactly what we're doing, right? In fundraising, we are persuading folks to take action. And the action that we want them to take is to give and to get involved, but also to give. So by definition, we should be better copywriters. If we want alumni to come to an event or send us their updates for the class notes, if we want teachers to help us to create a sense of shared purpose 
across our school. If we want parents to volunteer and to host and to give generously all the things we want them to do, then we need to be persuasive in each of those aspects. We need to be attentive to the way that we're communicating with them. There is this element of the curse of knowledge, which is this whole concept of the fact that when we as people are communicating to others, it's impossible for us to really communicate from the standpoint of a person who doesn't know whatever the topic is anymore because we know it. There is this curse of knowledge. We think we're communicating clearly and telling folks what to do, that we've covered all the bases, that we've given enough context. But in reality, we're not being nearly as clear as we think we are. You've probably seen that exercise that teachers do where you have one kid write down very clearly the instructions for doing something like making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then they give the instructions to another kid and the kid has to follow them to the letter. And it's hilarious because inevitably the person has to smear the peanut butter and jelly on with their hand because someone forgot to clearly say that you have to use a knife to do it, or they can't open the jar to get the peanut butter out because that was left out. It's a great illustration of the curse of knowledge. We're doing this in fundraising. We know the mission. We know the need. And we think we're communicating it clearly to folks. And we're also assuming that just because they've been in the school a long time, that they've understood it all along and they've been on this journey with us. But in reality, we're not as clear as we think we are. We've either talked around an issue or we don't get to the point or we're not super clear in the call to action. We do all of those things because we're in the midst of the curse of knowledge. If we take time to really hone our craft of copywriting, I think we'll be stronger in reaching our audience and helping them to see what it is we want them to do, and they will be more likely to take action. Here are some suggestions about how we can improve our copywriting so that we can be clearer and more persuasive. One thing you can do is to literally study copywriting techniques. There's a lot online. You can learn on YouTube for free. There are several people on LinkedIn that I follow and people I know follow who are very good copywriters and teach about the techniques of copywriting through their work on LinkedIn and elsewhere. There's also great books out there. I will mention several of those things that I just said in the show notes so that you can go check them out yourself. Another step you can take that I highly recommend is to use the Hemingway app. That's Hemingway, like the writer. You can download this app onto your computer and then use it to show you how complicated your writing is and show you what grade level you're writing at. Either write directly in it like you would a Word document, or you can just paste your stuff into it. And it has these color codings that say this is, you know, passive voice. This is too complicated a phrasing. This could be said in simpler ways. It detects these and shows them to you. Also, it shows you the grade level that you're writing. We should be aiming to write at grade six level. When we're sending out appeal letters and other forms of written communication, the best practices is to aim for grade six. There have been so many times where I've written stuff, I've been felt it was really clear, I felt it was good, I, I pasted it into the app, and it's at grade 11. I thought it was pretty clear and it, it just wasn't, it was too complicated. A person whose work I really admire and have really gotten a lot out of is Donald Miller, the author and the speaker. Story brand is his area. If you're not familiar with it, I recommend that you just check it out. It is quite interesting. One of his mantras is, if you confuse, you lose. So let's not confuse our families and our alumni and our grandparents by writing in complicated ways about our mission and about 
what our annual fund does and about how to give to it, all of those things that we think we're doing clearly, but perhaps we're just a little too complicated. So let's take some time. Let's be intentional about building our skills in copywriting so that we can get better results. So far, we've covered our plan, which encompassed our messaging and our actual written plan. And we've talked about honing our writing skills, specifically copywriting. The last thing I want to talk about regarding communications is so simple and so boring, (laughs) but it is really easily forgotten. And that point is we need to repeat ourselves. I know it's a pain. We hear the message again and again. We are telling the same stories again and again. We think it feels tired. We think it needs to be freshened. We think we need to tell something new. We have to tell it from a different angle. But let's remember that if they're not responding to our call to action, perhaps A, we haven't said it clearly enough, which is possible. And I just covered that. But B, they might not have seen it because. We're assuming that everybody sees everything we do. From what I've read, on social media, our target audience typically is only seeing something like one out of every six posts. So if that's the case, if we're going to change up the message every eight posts, they're only going to see our message one or so times. How is that really going to get through to them and reach them? Here's an example of uh, something that I did in the past that I would no longer do now that I've learned this aspect. When I first started out doing mini campaigns for the annual fund for parents, I would focus on a different aspect of what the annual fund did each week. The annual fund did athletics one week. The annual fund does you know, co-curriculars the next week, whatever those things were. But in reality, it just is confusing because a parent who's traveling one week and they miss an entire week and their kid isn't into athletics. They've missed the whole thing on co-curriculars. They see only athletics. Well, they're not going to give at this point because they're not interested in that. You see what I'm saying? There is the possibility of, by freshening up all of the messaging, trying to hit all of the various different aspects, in reality, it's just confusing. We know that folks aren't reading all of our emails. Our open rates are low and getting lower, quite frankly. They're not catching it on their news feed within our parent portals because we know they're not checking into the parent portal very often. If research shows that people need to see something multiple times, even as many as seven times before it sticks, and we've been changing up the messaging, then it's no wonder that our messaging isn't sticking. We need to determine that clear message and stick to it. This might be related to our overarching message, which I talked about earlier, but it could be even just the tagline of our annual fund. It could be whatever the tagline is that we're coming up for the particular drive that we're on. So for example, once you determine that message, then you want to say it in as many different ways as often as possible. You want to just send that message out across all of the possible channels. Here's an example of of what I'm talking about. When I was running a program for raising money specifically from parents, and our, our goal was to raise the parent participation rate. So I was focused solely on raising money from parents, and we needed to raise that participation rate. So I came up with the tagline, every gift in any amount is appreciated. I used that tagline in everything. I put it in all of our communications about the annual fund to parents, emails, campus signage, direct mail, parent portal social media posts, all of those things included the phrase, every gift in any amount is appreciated. Because I knew that it would get through to folks who 
didn't feel like their $10 or $50 gift mattered. Now, keep in mind, while I'm doing all of this, I am working with folks who can give larger gifts. So we're working on that. It's a dual-pronged approach. But regarding the goal of raising parent participation, this is how I approached it. When the gifts started coming in, we saw that the parent giving increased more than 10% by the second year of starting to use that phrase in everything. Now, it definitely took more than just repeating that phrase over and over again to get the result. There were other aspects. However, the reason I know that this message had an impact is because even as our total dollar amount went up a lot, also we received a lot more gifts in the lower gift bands. And we were receiving gifts from families who were on financial aid, folks who wanted to give a widow's might gift. They wanted to be a part of making the mission possible. This is why I feel it's important that we give everyone an opportunity to be involved in making the mission possible, to be a part of that shared purpose, that powerful shared purpose. So when I saw an increase at the lower gift band and I saw an increase in the number of givers who were on financial aid, for example, I knew that we had gotten some traction on this single message. Here's my suggestion. Come up with your message, that key message that you're going to use, and include that key message in every single channel. So in your social media posts, in your emails, banners out front, on the screens inside the school, all those things, everywhere that someone will see it, use it. Consider it similar to branding. If you want to use my example, absolutely feel free. I do not own those words at all. And like I said, I think they worked really quite well. Every gift in any amount is appreciated or some version of that is, I think, really strong. And that wraps up my episode on communication, which is the third part of this three-part series on the three C's, the three critical components of a strong K-12 development plan. Those three C's again, clarity, community, and communication. You can find a downloadable resource on each of those topics, including today's, on my website. Specifically, today's free resource can be found at kimtjennings.com slash great communication. I'll link up to that page in the show notes, as well as all of the other resources I've mentioned on today's episode. Thanks so much again for joining me. If you like what you've heard today, please do consider subscribing if you haven't already. If you found anything helpful today or you know someone else who might find it helpful, please consider sharing this episode with them. Also, let me know which of the three C's, what of the tips and the resources and ideas that I've given in this first three episodes, which ones have been most helpful to you? What do you think is going to be most impactful for you to begin to implement in your day-to-day work. I'd love to know. And if you could leave those in the reviews and let me know that way, that would be fantastic because it also shares with others. Thanks again for joining me. I can't wait to see you next time. 